0: If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. in hebrews chapter 11 we've been looking at different examples of faith and the most recent example of faith we've seen is in abraham and sarah and you know the one thing that you notice as you look through abraham and sarah's life is they didn't always respond in faith you know when things got difficult when they had to wait a while for god to fulfill his promises some of their responses were really the opposite of faith you know they had responses that really stemmed from fear they had responses that stemmed from worry and you know I'm encouraged by their failures in faith because it reminds me that God can still help me grow to be a a man of faith and and help you to be grow to be a a man or woman of faith. Because you look at where Abraham and Sarah got to, you know, those are the examples that we want to, to follow, but we recognize it was a process and they had lots of failures on that road to success and faith. And last week I shared an encouragement from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 where we looked at Three practical things that kind of really help us grow in our faith and our trust in God. Uh, the first thing that we noted was that we need to trust God and not ourselves. The second thing was to lean on God's understanding and not our own. And then to acknowledge God and not ourselves. You know, and this morning I want to follow up on, on that encouragement and and just give you a challenge. You know, a challenge concerning something that really reveals when you and I are struggling to trust the Lord. It reveals when you and I are struggling to take that step of faith and and follow God. And that, that thing that reveals that is worry. You know, when you and I worry about different situations and difficulties that we're in, you know, it reveals something very significant and important that we're not trusting God, that we're not stepping out in faith. You see, you can't worry... And trust God at the same time. If you're trusting God, the reality is you won't be worrying. And if you're worrying, the reality is you're not trusting God. Now, last week, I shared several situations in my own personal life where God helped me grow in trusting in Him and using Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 in that process. But, you know, in each of those situations, I really had a struggle as to whether I was going to respond to my circumstances with worry or with trust. And in many of those situations, the Lord had to help me go from a place of worry because that's where I started from and get me to a place of trust where He wanted me to be. You know, and one of those situations was the most recent situation where God called my family and I to move from here and and go to Auburn. And when God first made that clear to Jenny and I that He was calling us to make that move, there were definitely some things within me that I was worried about. You know, I was worried about how you guys would respond when I shared that difficult news. I was worried about the future of the church and, and who God would call to continue and take over the ministry here. I was worried about moving away from a, a church family I love so much and, and would miss so greatly. I was worried about a lot of the, the practical things of, you know, getting the house ready to sell and, and all the logistics that would go into making this big move and, and, you know, with each one of these things, the Lord was really challenging me not to worry, but instead to just trust Him in these things. Well, this morning, I'd like to share with you some of the things that the Lord has been encouraging me with. in this whole process, especially recently, of really dealing with this balance of really trusting God and avoiding choosing to worry. And I'm sure that with the, the difficult news that I shared last week uh, that we're moving that has maybe caused some of you to be in this place where you're tempted to worry and be concerned about what all that means uh, instead of trusting God. And so my hope is that as we look at what God's word says about the fact that we shouldn't worry and what we should do in its place, uh, I hope that we can respond by trusting the Lord, not only in this situation, but in any difficult situation that we face. And I'm going to finish by sharing some good news of what the Lord's doing in this situation, just as a reminder that, you know what, we don't need to worry. We can trust God's provision. We can trust in what God's going to do to take care of us. And so there are two main things that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, concerning what the Bible says about worry. First, we're going to look at a challenge from Jesus himself in Luke chapter 12 concerning worry. And the, really the main thing that Jesus is going to focus on is why we shouldn't worry. And then second, we're going to look at something the Bible says we should do instead of worrying. Because we I'm sure as believers we recognize this is not healthy, this is not good, this is not something we should do, but what do we do in its place? And so we're going to see that in Philippians chapter four. And my goal is that you'll leave here this morning understanding why you shouldn't worry, but also understanding what we can do practically to put in the place of worry when we're going through difficulty in our life. And I think if we put these things in the practice, it's going to enable us to trust God more. It's going to enable us to step out in faith as God leads us in those areas. And so let's start with the challenge that Jesus gives about worry In Luke chapter 12, starting in verses 22 and 23, it says this. Then Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. So Jesus starts off speaking to his followers, and he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry worry about your life. This Greek word translated worry means to be anxious, to be troubled, to be distracted with cares, to worry. So Jesus starts off saying, hey, don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Don't be distracted with cares. Don't worry. And the thing that he doesn't want us to worry about is our life, what we will eat, and our body, what we will put on. So Jesus is telling us not to worry about the most basic things that we need, what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear. And he goes on to say in verse 23, life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. You know, there's more to life than just the basic necessities that we need, like eating and what we wear. And Jesus is saying, hey, we shouldn't worry about those things. And then Jesus goes on to share two examples of why we shouldn't worry about our life and what we eat and what we wear. And the first example is in verse 24. He says this, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouses nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? So the first example that Jesus gives us for not worrying about what we should eat is ravens. And Jesus says, ravens gives us this important thing. Notice they don't farm for food. They don't gather food in the barns. You know, they aren't collecting a bunch of food wondering like, when's my next meal going to come? They just realize, hey, there's always a provision of food for me. And the one who's providing it is God then Jesus says something very important. He says, of how much more value are you than the birds? You know, for those of us who are parents, I'm sure at some point in time you got your child or the family a pet whether it's a dog or a cat or or something else and, and I'm sure you fed that animal and and took care of that animal and and probably even loved that animal but when you were to weigh out you know what's more important to you taking care of your child or taking care of this animal feeding your child or feeding this animal you know all of us would say well obviously if something's got to starve it's going to be the animal not my child my child is is far more important and what's what Jesus is saying. is like, if, if God takes care of ravens, you're so much more valuable to him than birds. You're his child. You can definitely be confident that he will take care of you. Now, before Jesus gives us the second example, he, he asks two very important questions about worry. Notice what he asks in verses 25 and 26. And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Jesus asks, which of you, by worrying, can add a, a cubit, just one, to his stature? What Jesus is saying is, which of you, by worrying, can add any little thing of benefit to your situation? You know, this question that Jesus asks. I think, is so important for us to ask ourselves when we're worrying. What benefit does worrying add to your situation? When you're facing some difficulty that is making life hard, when you choose to respond with worry, you know, does that benefit the situation? Does your worry change the situation? Does your worry get you out of the situation. Does your worry make the situation better? Does your worry improve your situation in any way, shape, or form? And the answer to each one of those questions is no. Worry doesn't benefit the situation. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't get you out of the situation. It doesn't make your situation better. It doesn't improve your situation at all. The only thing that worry does to your situation is make it worse. There are no positive benefits to worry. There are only negative consequences. I want you to think about something. I want you to imagine that you have a disease and you, you go to a doctor to get treatment. And the doctor says, you know, kind of something like you see on all these drug commercials of, hey, if you have this, you should try this drug. And then they read off really quietly in the background why these people have these smiley faces, like the hundred, you know, really horrible side effects. And so, you know, what if the doctor comes and say we have this new drug that we want you to take, and all excited you ask, is it going to get me better? doctor says, well, no. Okay, well, at least will it improve my situation? No, it won't do that either. Okay, will it change my situation at all? No, it's not going to change anything. Okay, well, what will it do for me? Oh, well, actually, it'll do a lot of things. There's some great side effects. You know, you're going to have blurry vision. Your hair is going to fall out. You're going to have uh, regular vomiting. Your muscles are going to hurt. It's going to increase the likelihood of a heart attack. And, you know, it could possibly kill you. Now, if a doctor wanted to give you a drug that would do nothing to help your situation but would only add problems to your situation and make it worse, would you take that drug? And I'm sure most of us would say, well, of course we wouldn't take that. Why would we add more problems and not have any help or solution to our circumstances. It would be foolish to do something like that. You know, well, the same is true with worry. It's such a foolish thing to choose to do because it does nothing to help. It only hinders. It does nothing to bless. It only hurts. It does nothing to do anything of positive benefit. It only brings negative consequences. You know, last week I shared with you about one of the times I was Pastoring in Scotland and that recession hit and all of a sudden we had our main supporting church and a couple of our individual supporters tell us, you know what, we can't support you anymore and we lost $1,522 in a matter of weeks. And then all of a sudden, I shared the, the positive side of what God did to bring other churches and other individuals, and we got $1,600 in provision. And I used that to share about why we should trust the Lord. But you know what? What I didn't communicate in that story are the weeks of worry that I had before God provided. You know, when we lost that support, it wasn't like, all right, Lord, I know you got this. I wish that was my response, but my real response was one of worry, was one of thinking, you know, how are you ever going to provide $1,522? Well, that is just so much money for you. I mean, it's kind of silly when you think about it. But, you know, I was struggling with that and thinking of, are we going to, you know, have to leave the mission field because of lack of support? And, and all these things were going through my mind. And you know what? Worry caused me to lose sleep, caused me to be distracted in ministry. You know what it didn't do? It didn't get me any support. It didn't do anything to help the situation. All it did is make it worse. And I finally came to a place where I just said, all right, Lord, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to trust you with the finances here. This is your ministry. You have us here. If you want to keep us here, then you can take care of our needs. And you know what? He provided. So worrying does absolutely nothing to help us in the situations we are in. And that's why Jesus poses this question, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? But you know what? Jesus asked another question as well that's important for us to ponder. If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? If you and I are not able through worrying to do the least, meaning adding just one little cubit to our stature, If our worrying can't even do that, then why do we continue to be anxious and worry for the bigger things? If our worry can't do anything, even a little thing, to help the situation, then what's the purpose? What's the point? Why would we continue to do it? It has no value. It's useless. Worrying's not going to add anything of benefit to our life, to our circumstances. All it adds are problems. So Jesus gives this first example of God feeding the ravens and He cares so much more about us. We can be confident He'll feed us. He gives a second example in in verses 27 and 28. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more... Will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So here Jesus is giving an example of why we shouldn't worry about what we wear, about what we're going to be clothed with. And now he uses a different illustration. This time it's the illustration of of lilies in the field. And as you can even see from this picture, I mean, lilies are just beautiful. As you see them, you know, just growing in the grass and it's just a beautiful thing. And, And Jesus is saying, even Solomon... When he had all of his riches and glory and all the garments that come with being a king, saying he wasn't even arrayed as beautiful as God arrays the lilies of the field. As God clothes these flowers. When Jesus says, you know what, they don't toil. They don't spin. They don't make themselves look like that. They don't clothe themselves with these colors and this beauty. That's something that God does for them. Once again, Jesus is bringing up the reality of God does that for flowers. How much more is he going to do it for you? The flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. If God will clothe a flower with that kind of beauty, how much more is he going to clothe you, his child? Jesus finishes his two examples by posing a statement. He says, "O you of little faith. And really, this is at the heart of the matter. Jesus is bringing us back to the real crux of what he's wanting us to understand. And our worry reveals a lack of faith and trust in God. You know, as believers, Jesus wants us to see that we shouldn't worry, but instead we should trust God with whatever circumstances that we're facing. And so when we worry, what that's revealing is a lack of trust in God concerning the things that you're worried about. George Mueller, one of my favorite missionaries, he just had an amazing trust in God. I, I highly recommend you read biographies about him and in his life of faith. But you know what? He said this, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Let me read that again. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end Of anxiety. He understood this reality that anxiety and worry and faith and trust are are completely opposed to one another. You can't have both at the same time. If you're anxious and worry, you're not trusting, you're not having faith. And if you're trusting and you're having faith, then you're not going to be anxious and you're not going to be worried. I think something important to understand is that worry is a choice. It's not something that we have to do. It's not something that we're forced to do. It's something that we ultimately make a choice to do. Now, that doesn't mean that there are not difficult issues in our life. It just means that when they come and we face them, we make a choice. Am I going to worry or am I going to trust God? And I know it can be hard and I'm giving examples and I'll share more of of many times that I have chosen to worry I get the difficulty of it, but sometimes I think we feel like, well, that's just my only response. I mean, it's so bad, I have to worry. No, we make a choice to worry, and God is challenging us to make a choice to trust Him instead. When God made it clear that He was calling my family and I to move to Auburn, I had to make a choice. Whether I was going to worry about the different things involved that I was concerned about, or whether I would trust God with everything involved. I had to make a choice as to whether I was going to worry about how you guys are going to respond to the difficult news or whether I would trust the Lord with your response. I had to make a choice as to whether I was going to worry about who was going to take over the church or whether I was just going to trust the Lord to provide that individual. I had to make a choice as to whether I was going to worry about the difficulty of leaving this church family that I love so much or whether I was just going to trust the Lord in helping with that transition. Now, I wish I could say that every day that uh, from the moment that the Lord made that clear that He was calling us to leave to now, that I always trusted Him. That I made a choice to trust and not worry, but that wouldn't be true. There were definitely moments, definitely days, definitely circumstances that I worried about. And my worries didn't do anything to help Didn't do anything to to bring a pastor to take over. Didn't do anything to, to help with the transition. Didn't do anything to help make sharing the news any easier. Didn't do anything positive at all. But you know what? The days that I chose to trust in the Lord, the days I chose to pray and just focus on Him, those were days where He helped. Those were days where there was positive benefits. Those were days where He enabled me to do the things that He wanted me to do. Well, Jesus finishes his thoughts on worry by saying this in verses 29 through 31. And do not seek what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after. But your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus tells us not to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, so say, these are the things that the nations of the world seek after. You see, what Jesus is saying is there's a difference and there should be between those who follow him and those who don't. Those who are of the world and those who are of the family of God. That there should be a difference in, in how we respond to our needs of eating, our needs of drinking, our needs of clothing, our needs, whatever they may be. There should be a difference in the response because Jesus said, hey, the world responds with lack of trust in me. Because they don't believe in me. They don't trust in me. They don't consider me the source of, of help, the source of refuge, the source of, of what I'm going to do to help them. They, they don't believe in me. But you and I, we should be different. We do believe in God. We do believe He is our Father. We do believe He's all-powerful. And there should be a reality that it should change the way in which we respond. We shouldn't be responding like the world does, which is just worry. We should recognize we have a Father in Heaven who can take care of us, and we want to trust Him. Jesus finishes by saying, Seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. Matthew's Gospel says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. You know, all these things that we want, to need, the clothing, the food, you know, the drink. Jesus say, you know what? Just get your priorities right. Seek first God. Seek first Him. Seek first following Him. You know what? He'll take care of your needs. All these things will just be added to you. He'll take care of what you need. Just don't start focusing on them. Don't start worrying about them. Don't get yourself all concerned about them. Just stay focused on the Lord. Stay focused on following Him. Stay focused on living for Him. And watch how He just takes care of all the practical stuff that He already knows that you and I need. So Jesus' challenge to us concerning worry is don't worry because it does nothing for you. Instead, trust God because He can do everything for you. You know, you and I are so valuable to God. We are His children that He loves so dearly, and we can trust Him. We can trust that He will take care of us just like we who are parents. You know, we know we will take care of our kids no matter what we got to do. We're going to be there for them. We're going to take care of them. And we're as messed up sinners. Imagine how much more a perfect, holy, loving God will always take care of Our needs. So now that we've looked at this challenge that Jesus gives concerning worry, I want us to look at another challenge, two more verses. And the challenge with this is, is what should we do instead of it? Okay, it's clear. Jesus says, don't do this. Don't worry. Okay, well, I know Jesus, but it's hard and there's these things coming and, oh, they're so difficult and I'm struggling with it. So, so what do I do instead? And that's what we have here in Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. It says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. This verse tells us be anxious for nothing. Not, well, you know what? It's okay if you're anxious for a little bit or I get there's a lot going on. You can be anxious for some things. No, be anxious for Nothing. The Greek word here translated anxious is the same word translated worry. It's just a different word that they decided to put in. It means the same thing. Anxious, troubled, distracted with cares, to worry. So what this verse is telling us is there's nothing that should get us anxious or worry. There's nothing that should cause us to choose to do that. Now, I think that flies in the face of the way in which we often think. I'm sure that most of us have our own scale of determining how bad a circumstance or how bad a situation is. And if it's bad enough, then we think, you know what, it's okay to be worried and anxious when it gets to this level. You know, down here, yeah, that's just not very big deal. And we kind of say that people, come on, why are you worried about that? That's nothing. But when it gets to this, then it's like, oh yeah, I get it. There's no way you cannot worry about something that big. And so we kind of have our own scale of what's big enough to cause us to justify our worry. To say like, okay, I'm, I'm justified in doing it because this is such a hard thing. But this verse tells us be anxious for nothing. Not, well, if it gets really difficult, then it's okay. But no, no matter how difficult, don't get anxious or worried. You know, the thing I love about this verse is that we're not just told what not to do. We're also told what to do in its place. So if you're someone who's struggling with worry, the solution isn't just stop worrying. It goes beyond that. Okay, now you need to replace worry with something very productive and beneficial and important. And the thing that we should replace our worry with, which is far more productive, because worry doesn't produce anything good, far more beneficial, is prayer. Notice what we're told. Don't worry. Instead, By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So God's saying, hey, in in every circumstance, every situation that you have, both big and small, instead of getting anxious, instead of getting worried, bring it to me in prayer. Bring it all to me in prayer. Let me know. Just share it with me. Pray about these things and just trust me with them. Verse 7 tells us the result of coming to God in prayer with our different situations instead of worrying about them. And as we look at the result of praying instead of worrying, remember, we've already looked at the result of worrying instead of praying. The result of worrying is nothing good. It doesn't bring anything beneficial. It doesn't bring anything good to your life. And so we can understand, I shouldn't do that. Okay, well, what's the benefit of praying? What's going to come to my life if I pray? Is there anything positive in doing that? So when... We worry instead of pray. That doesn't help us in our difficult situation. So what does God say happens if we pray instead of worry? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice this. When we pray instead of worry, God promises His peace. Now, before we look at what we're told about this promise of peace, I want us to look at what we're not promised when we pray instead of worry. You know, the main thing that most of us want when we face difficult situations, when we come to God in prayer, is we want God to remove that difficult situation from our life. And typically, we want it removed right away. All right, Lord, here's the problem. Get rid of it. Right now, that would be perfect. If it's by the end of the day, then that'll be sufficient. If it's tomorrow, that's too long. we, we, We want it gone, and we want it gone now. But notice that's not what God promises us when we pray instead of worry. He doesn't make a promise to take it away. He doesn't make a promise to take it away right away. But He does promise to give us His peace in that situation. Now, there are three important things that we're told about this peace that God promises to give us as we pray instead of worry. First, we're told the kind of peace that it is. It's the peace of God. So it's not speaking about man's peace. It's not speaking about the world's peace. This is speaking about the peace that only God can offer you and me. So God promises that when you pray instead of worry, He will give you His peace. Well, in order to understand why that is so beneficial, we need to know what makes God's peace better than man's peace. What makes God's peace better than this world's peace? Well, there are two main reasons that we're given for why God's peace is better than any other peace. The first reason is because the peace of God surpasses all understanding. You know, when it comes to being at peace, usually we connect peace with understanding. Because if we don't understand something, if we don't understand how it's going to work out, if we don't understand how long we're going to have to deal with it, you know, usually that lack of understanding makes it so that we don't have any peace. A lack of understanding usually causes us to worry, to get anxious. It doesn't give us peace in that circumstance. You see, in order for a person or the world to give you peace, it has to be connected with understanding. If someone were to say, you know, your situation is going to work out, so be at peace. Those words don't give you any peace unless they're connected with why your situation is going to work out. For example, if you come to the doctor with heart pain and he tells you everything's going to be okay. And then he explains to you, here's what's wrong with your heart. Here's what we're going to do to correct the problem. Here's how long it's going to take for everything you know, to be corrected and for you to recuperate. And within six months, you're going to be back to normal. Well, guess what? Now you've given, given a bunch of understanding. You recognize the problem, the solution, how they're going to fulfill it, how long it's going to take until you get to a place where you're normal again. And you know what? That understanding would bring you peace. But if the doctor couldn't tell you what was wrong with your heart, couldn't tell you what he was going to do, Couldn't tell you how things were going to change. Couldn't tell you if you're ever going to get back to normal. And he just said, be at peace. Well, you wouldn't be at peace because there's no understanding connected with what he's saying. But God's peace, it's different. Because he can give you a peace that surpasses understanding. He can give you a peace that even when you don't know how the situation is going to work out, even though you don't know why you're dealing with this, even though you don't know how long you're going to have to continue through this, He can give you a peace that surpasses all of those things. You know, as a pastor, I've had to confront people with sin issues and, and oftentimes those conversations don't go very well. Uh, a lot of times you, you come and you address something that someone doesn't want to leave and get out of, and, and their response typically is pretty negative. And so, you know, there have been times where the night before I know I'm going to have to speak with this person and address this issue that they're living in sin. You know, there's been times where I've worried. There's been times where I've struggled. Oh, they're going to probably respond poorly and struggle sleeping the night before. But you know what? Any time that I would just say, Lord, I'm just going to bring this to you in prayer. He would just give me this peace that surpasses understanding because I don't know how they're going to respond the next day. I don't know if it's going to be positive or negative, but you know what? I was able to have a sweet, sound sleep because God just says, you know what? I'm going to give you peace that surpasses understanding. I'm not going to tell you how it's going to work out, but I'll just give you peace as you bring it to me. I'll give you peace and you can just be confident. I got this under control. I love this about God. You might not know how your situation is going to work out, how you're going to get through it, But you don't need to. God can give you his peace even when you don't have the understanding that you're wanting to have. God will give you his peace that surpasses understanding. You don't have to know everything and how it's going to work out. All you gotta do is just trust God that he'll get you through it. And that's the kind of peace that God offers. It's his peace. So the first main reason why God's peace is better than any other peace is because it surpasses all understanding understanding. And the second reason why God's peace is better than any other peace is because His peace will guard your heart and your mind. You know, this Greek word here translated guard is a a military word. It means to protect by guarding, to keep something safe. The peace of God, it protects by guarding. It keeps safe two very important things, our heart and our mind. You know, this is very important because these are two of the biggest areas that are affected when we're going through difficult situations. This is one of two of the biggest areas that the enemy attacks. It's our heart and our mind. You know, our heart is where our emotions are, and our mind is where our, we think. And when we go through difficulty, our emotions and our thought process are greatly affected. It's our emotions and the thoughts of our mind that often cause us to worry and get anxious. But you know what? God's peace guards that. It guards those emotions. It guards the thoughts that are going through our mind and, and all the things that, oh, how is this going to work and, and what's going to happen? And the Lord says, you know what? You just Pray. My peace can surpass their understanding that you don't have, but it also can guard your thinking and guard your heart and your emotions. You know, I know my emotions and my thought process have been greatly affected since God called my family and I to to make this move to Auburn. I've had to deal with the emotions of sadness because of, of leaving this church. And those emotions have led to some worry. I've had to deal with my thought process and trying to figure out, God, how how is everything going to work out? How are you going to provide some of the takeover? How are these logistics going to happen? How are we going to get our house ready to sell? And all this stuff, and and the Lord just said, you know what, I'm just going to guard that as well as you bring it to me in prayer. And the Lord's been faithful to do that. He's just protected my heart, my mind, my emotions, my thinking. And He's helped me when I've chosen to worry to get back to that place of trust. And the thing between Is that time of prayer and just coming and laying those things before the Lord and saying, No, trust me. I'm gonna give you this peace. I'm gonna protect your heart and your mind. And I'm gonna enable you to get back to a place of trust in me. This is why it's so important for us to replace worry with prayer. Because when we pray, it brings this guarding from God Himself over the things that we need so much our emotions, our thought process. And it helps us to make that choice to trust God instead of to worry. So the moment you face a difficult situation, just bring it to the Lord in prayer. As you feel your natural tendency to start to worry and get anxious, and you're starting to think about all the problems that might come, just bring it to the Lord in prayer and watch the peace He brings. Watch the guarding He brings of your heart and mind and how He helps get you to that place of trusting Him. So Jesus' challenge to us concerning worry is don't worry because it does nothing for you. Instead, trust God because He can do everything for you. And one of the best ways to overcome worry is to replace it with prayer. When we pray, God promises to give us His peace that surpasses understanding and that guards and protects your heart and your mind from worry. You know, when I told the elders and the deacons that God had called my family and I to move to Auburn. One of the main things that we did as leaders was pray. One of our big prayers was for God to provide a very specific individual. A godly man, a man of character, a man with a a great marriage and a a great father and family, a man who meets the biblical qualifications of, of a pastor and elder, but then there was more specific. Someone who you know, was raised up, understands that the Calvary Chapel movement is, is on board with the uh, distinctives of Calvary Chapel, who's a great verse-by-verse teacher. And probably the biggest one of all, someone who feels specifically called by God to take over this church. Now that's a very specific list and there's not that many people who could fulfill it. And I struggled a bit worrying about Who God would provide that would meet these qualifications. And maybe even more specifically, when God might provide someone like this. And I love you guys. And, you know, within my own heart, it's like, Lord, I don't want to leave here and there not be someone already here to take over and to have this transition take place with. And, you know, I was a bit worried about whether God would provide someone like we were looking for before I left. And when the elders and, and deacons and I started praying for this man uh, that meets these specific qualifications, we didn't know who this man was. But something that we discovered is that we started to pray, there was just a peace from the Lord. He's got this. He's under control. He's moving us in the direction that he has for us, and we can trust him. And we gave us just a, a piece that surpasses understanding. It wasn't a piece based on understanding. It wasn't like, oh, here's the guy we know, and, and now it's all going to work out. It was just like, we don't know, but the Lord's given us a peace, and we're just going to keep praying and trusting him. And God helped me personally just stop worrying and trust him to provide that man. And so the elders and I, we started meeting with different men and interviewing them to see if you know, there were men who really met the specific qualifications that we were looking for and wanting to see and God um, raising up a pastor to take over. And, you know, one of our meetings we met with a man and his wife and, you know, we all as leaders just felt great. Even after that first meeting of what, you know, we saw in them and we're excited about that. And then we talked with pastors this man served with and under Uh, pastors that he was accountable to and they all gave glowing reports of just, you know, the kind of character that he had, uh the servant's heart that he had, you know, the the marriage and the family that he had and all of them saying that they thought he would do a great job pastoring our church. And so as we went through this kind of interview process and our time thinking through it's like, you know what, this is a guy that meets what we're looking for. This is a guy that meets all these specific qualifications that we want to see in a man who God would have take over the church. But there was one big final thing. It's like, yeah, 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 he can have all of this, but the biggest thing of all is, is God calling him to do this. Because you know, we could go out and there'd be people who are qualified pastors, but we wanted more than that. We didn't just want someone qualified. We wanted someone called by God specifically for this fellowship and so our church leadership asked this man, his wife, to pray about leading our church, to pray about becoming uh, the next pastor uh, when I leave. And so they took some time to pray for God's direction and to pray for God to make it clear if he was calling them to take over this church. And, you know, last week when, you know, I announced that they were still praying and they're still seeking the Lord and I am excited to tell you that this week God made it clear to them that he's calling them to take over, that he's calling them to lead. And so not just someone who is qualified, but someone who is specifically called by God to serve this body. Uh, and some of you already know the man that I'm speaking of because he served for uh, many years at the Calvary in Houston. Uh, his name is Aaron Green. Uh, he has a lovely wife named Lindsay. They have four Great kids named Elijah, Shiloh, Penelope, and Margaret, Uh, and our leadership is just really excited about the man that God has raised up and provided. uh, The family that he has that's going to be coming and joining him, and we're just confident that he's going to do an amazing job uh, and just be a wonderful pastor to all of you when I leave. Um, And he and his first and his family's first Sunday is going to be August. 1st, they have a a home church that they're uh, overseeing right now. And so this morning they are letting their church know that they're going to be transitioning and and taking this over. And so this Sunday and next Sunday will be their last Sunday with them. And then August 1st, they're going to be coming here. You guys will get to meet them and they'll share a little bit. Uh, And then August 9th will be my final Sunday. And so we'll have some time at the end of that to, to pray for me and my family as we leave and to pray for he and his family, as they officially uh, take over the church. And so, you know, God providing Aaron and his family, I know it's a reminder for me, I hope it's a reminder for you as well, that, you know, we don't need to worry. We can trust the Lord, even with things that we think, oh, how are you going to work this out? What a specific person that you have to provide in a short period of time. Lord, can you do it? Yes, he can. You know, this is the Lord's church And he's going to continue to provide for it and take care of it. And and he's going to be the one that continues to do a wonderful work through it. And so the next time you're in a difficult situation that you would normally maybe naturally tend to worry about, I want to encourage you, pray. Choose to trust the Lord instead of worry and watch how much more beneficial that is because worrying does nothing to help you, only prayer and trusting God does. You know, a lot of people right now in our fellowship are sick. We got four or five who got COVID. We got uh, a couple people with ear infections and eye infections and stomach bugs. And it's just, you know, we got a sickness kind of going around with several in our fellowship. And that's a uh, sickness helped us from having our Thursday night home fellowship this week. Um, and it might even keep us, unfortunately, for having one this coming week, but uh, keep Uh, looking at the Facebook page, we'll see kind of how the health of everyone's doing moving forward. But I want to just close, one, thanking God for his provision, but also just praying for these people in our fellowship who are sick And also just praying for the Likons. Uh, They'll be with us next Sunday. You're going to get to hear a report of what the Lord has done in Burundi. Uh, I talked with Jaime a couple days ago, and the Lord's doing awesome work. Great things are happening. There are also some uh, spiritual attacks and some things. I don't know if you've read the Facebook page. Uh, One of the men on the team, Krishna, um, he had his blood sugar go real low and he passed out. And, you know, so he had some issues where he had to go to the hospital, but he's doing well now. But just keep the team in prayer. I want to close praying for them as well. And they're just, they had a great women's conference. They're getting in to big prisons and they're going door to door. And, you know, the gospel's going out. Uh, they went to the pygmy people were pretty much, uh, they're a despised group. There's a picture of Jaime and Molly with a woman who's like 40. And I think she's about this tall. Um, and, you know, no one comes to them and shares the love of Christ with them. Uh, and they got to do that. And so um, it's exciting just to hear a little bit about what's happening. Next week, you're going to hear lots of details of what the Lord has done. But let's just pray that the Lord, this last week that they're there, uh, would really bless them and provide for them and encourage them. And we'll pray for uh, those who are sick and just thank the Lord for what he's done. So uh, just join me in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for your provision. I thank you for Aaron and his family. I thank you for calling them to this church, Lord, to take over the ministry here. And we're just so grateful for the fact that um, where you guide, you provide, Lord. We're so grateful that this is your body and that you love it deeply and that you will always take care of the people in it. Lord, we lift up the people who are sick. God, you know those who have COVID. You know those who have infections. You know those who have stomach bugs. You know those who are just struggling with some kind of sickness this morning. Lord, I just pray for your healing touch upon them. God, I pray specifically for those who are really having a bad bout of COVID and um, just bedridden, high fever, vomit, Lord, that you would just really minister to them, that you would give strength to their bodies, Lord, that you would bring healing quickly to them. God, for those with infections, that you would remove that from their body quickly. God, that you would just help each person who is not being able to be here this morning for whatever reason, uh, Lord, that you would strengthen them and encourage them. And Father, we just lift up The whole team over there in Burundi, Jaime and Molly and Krishna and Samson, Lord, the the church that's there, we are so grateful for what you have been doing. And Lord, we just pray in these next few days that they have there, God, that you would do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. God, that more and more people would come to know you and hear the gospel. Lord, that you would give them boldness, that you would give them wisdom, that you would open up doors into more prisons, into more homes, into more schools. God, that you would just enable this team to reach people who are lost in darkness with the light of Jesus Christ and the gospel message of what he's done on the cross. I pray that you would protect them from spiritual attack, protect them from anything that would seek to thwart or hinder the work that you want to do, not only through this team, but also in the individuals that they're reaching out to. And Lord, we just pray that this church and the many churches that they're visited in this time would just be immensely blessed because this team has come to visit and serve and just invest in them and the people in that community. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would just do a wonderful work in all of that. And we're excited next week just to hear how you have moved, and the people that you have touched, and the lives that will be changed for all eternity because of it, Lord. And so we just thank you for this team. We thank you for your provision for this church, Lord. And we thank you for the individuals who couldn't be here because of sickness or whatever else, Lord. Just watch over them and be with them. Uh, And we are just grateful. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we go through difficulty to not choose to worry, but to choose to trust you, to choose to pray to you. And Lord, that you would bring us quickly from that place of anxiousness to trust and that we could just rely upon you and see your hand move in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and have the worship team come on up and we'll uh, close in a song of worship. Why don't we go ahead and stand if you're able.